Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Brilliant Makers. This is an experiment that I've decided to to just do because I love talking and I want to discuss the things I love that is books, writing, stories, movies, and general random complaints. And I would also like to discuss the things I hate, which include editing, curing, and editing again. If you're a writer, you know that we writers are bound, I mean cursed, to edit for life. And it's miserable. Anyway, today, in order to start and get a little bit used to this podcast thing, I would like to talk about one of the latest books that I've read and one of my most anticipated um, reads for 2020. As we all know, 2020 has been a terrible year. And among the many things that have gone wrong, for me, not loving this book is one of them. Don't get me wrong. I liked it. I just didn't love it. There is a difference. So maybe you know Liva Dugo, maybe not. I will briefly introduce and talk about her. She is mostly known as a young adult fantasy writer, one of the most talented and celebrated ones at it. Personally, is one of my favorite general writers. I love her books, especially the Six of Crows duology, which, in my opinion, is one of the most solid um, young adult fantasy series out there. She has an upcoming series on Netflix based on her Shadow and Bone trilogy. I haven't actually read that series. I don't know why. I have to pick it up at some point, but I've read another book of book of hers, which is called The Language of Thorns, a fantastic collection of folklore tales from the Grishoffers, which is the name of all the universe that she has created for her young adult books. So I definitely recommend um, all her work. And this book in particular, Nine House, is her first inclusion in the adult fantasy market. And actually, some of my complaints regarding the book come precisely from the transition between writing for a young adult audience and writing for an adult audience and what I got from her from her book. Um, book is a story set in Yale University in the United States. I hope I'm pronouncing it well. Yale, you know, it's like a law school and it's very famous. Uh, basically, the idea is that there are nine houses which you can compare to fraternities. And each of these houses manage a different uh, magical power. I have here the overview of the mayor houses. One is called School and Bones. And they teach divination using human, human and animal entrails. Yes, that's right. They disembowel people to read the stock market. The stock market or something like that is creepy and awesome, as it sounds. Another house is called Scroll and Key. And they do portal magic, astral, and etheric uh, projection. Another house is called Book and Snake, focus on necromancy and bond conjuring. Wolf's Head does therianthropy, which I absolutely forgot what it is, but I think they change it. I think. I'm not sure. Anyway, next we have Manuscript, which is mirror magic and glamorous, basically, will make you famous and look desirable and the three other houses are aurelian 
they work with word binding and divination through language. Then you have Saint, Saint Elmo's, which deals with elemental magic, storm calling and stuff like that. It sounds really awesome. And I would have loved to read more about this house in the book. The last one is Berselius. And actually, this is kind of a mystery house because in the notes of the books, the book, there's nothing about this house. It's kind of a ghost house. The ninth house, which is the house that gives the title to the book, is the, is the little house. And it oversees the magical rituals of all the other houses, meaning they make sure that they don't kill anybody and that things keep under control. And they also um, cover up for any mishaps and any problems because not everybody knows that there's magic at jail. In general, I would give this book four hearts out of five. The reasons are very simple. I love the writing. Liver Dugo is certainly a really gifted writer with a beautiful prose and a wonderful capacity for creating and conveying worlds and emotions to the readers. You certainly get sucked into the world that she's presenting to you and it's very hard to put down a book of words. Something that I also loved is of course the concept. The main character of this book is kind of a former soft drug addict that sees ghosts and has been hunted by ghosts her entire life. So basically actually she became a drug addict because she discovered that weed will make the spirits disappear so she wouldn't see them and that was something that of course she wanted um at some point in her childhood she gets um sexually assaulted by a ghost and nobody believes her it's a whole terrible like scene and she down spirals from there so basically we have a main character that is quite troubled that has gone through a lot has fleed her home she has a mother that is kind of attentive but at the same time she always touches her and she tries not to see her mother soft and probably out of guilt for all the trouble between brackets that she and, and the concern that, that she has brought to her mother. Um, eventually in the story uh, Alex the main character is picked by this executive or dean from jail who is linked to the houses and is recruited to leave the house because of her ability to see ghosts since one of the most problematic aspects of all the rituals that the houses perform is that ghosts try to cross to the land of the living through the veil, which is the, of course, separation between the land of the dead and the land of the living. Um, so basically, that's the premise of the, of the book. We have the different houses, we have the campus life, which is something that I absolutely love. And actually, one of the pros of this book, I really enjoyed reading about the chair houses, the parties, the fraternities, all that, because it reminded me of being at university. And of course, that's such a fun memory to have. Going to the cons, what I didn't like is basically the fact that even though we are told that the characters are adults, even though they're very young, they read like young adult characters, meaning they read a little bit younger than in their 20s. The traits of thoughts, the decisions, the personality traits are a little bit too young for me to believe that they are adults. And that wouldn't be a problem if the main character would be very interesting, compelling, riveting, etc. But the problem is that, in my opinion, the writer tries so hard to make her edgy, 
streetwise and all that that at some point it becomes too much then thousand different spirits attack this character she she always survives there's so many trauma and so much stuff in her past her present probably her future she maybe has magical powers aside from just seeing ghosts but it's, it's just too much in what one character it's kind of a reverse chosen one but still chosen one with so many leaky saves and everything revolving around her that at some point it becomes a slightly jarring or at least that was my experience reading and it really took from the from the enjoyability of the book for me by personal opinion and a surprise because if there's something i love about lady bardugo is the ability she has to create the most amazing characters ever speaking of which the rest of the cast in this book is wonderful we have darlington which is kind of the lead and the person in charge of showing the ropes to to alex he's amazing he's a nerd he's kind of a victorian man <laughs> inside of his head and he's really good but unfortunately he is not that present in the narrative of the book even though he's always part of the central team or the central plot line and there are other characters that surround main character that are incredible, interesting, quite intriguing. However, we focus on her. She's a little bit vulgar. She's extremely snarky, but in a way that you really wonder, why am I hanging out with her instead of being with Darlington, with Dawes, or whatever is uh, the last name of the other character that is always around them. And you know, that was what really took from experience for me i really didn't like the main character i don't need to relate to a main character i don't even need to really connect with them i just need to find them intriguing and in the case of this particular main character i just found her a little bit unbelievable and a little bit tiring also another thing that i didn't enjoy was that the first half of the book more or less, is centered in Alex investigating the homicide of a character that we do not know and have no reason to care about. Jackson is kind of a drug dealer too. Sorry, it's hard for me to sympathize. It's a personal taste. It's a personal thing. Just go with it if you like it. But for me, it was a little bit like, why am I supposed to care about this kind of people? Yes, they're humans and everything, but I don't like I agree with what they do. It's a little bit deeper and you would have to read the book to understand the layers of it. But in general, in our surface, investigating the suspension of a character that we do not know and don't care about during the first half of your book takes a lot of patience from the reader and takes a lot of investment. And I found myself struggling to power through. And the reason why I didn't give up on the book is because the writing is excellent, is Rivardugo we're talking about, and because, of course, I was interested in the fate of our beloved Darlington, but in terms of story structure, I really found that following this particular crime investigation was actually a con for the narrative. Moving on, basically, those are my only two complaints. The rest of the book is as interesting, fantastic, and original, actually, as all the work of Lee Verdugo is, you will get to see a lot of her ideas of power, um, imbalance, um, sexual assault in, in, in campus settings, and of course, 
all the influence that both people have, even in um, in schools, universities, and towns across the U.S. It's a very interesting narrative. It's a very good um, first installment of what I understand is a series. I do not know if I will pick book two, but I know that I would definitely be reading the very spoiled <laughs> field. Um, review or summary of book two because I definitely want to know what is the answer to the mystery that we're left with when the book ends. And now that I mentioned that, I do have a third problem with the narrative. It's a little bit gimmicky. There is a resolution at the end of the book that helps us understand how the magical porters that allow the societies to perform magic are created and what was the deal with the couple characters in the book that I felt was a little bit too convenient and to just suddenly present it to the reader without much field work. And that didn't sit well with me as well. These are the reasons why I don't give it five hearts. Because again, this is an author that I really love and I'm surprised not to adore this book even though I liked it and even though I enjoyed it. So that's my first review. I hope I didn't speak too much and I also hope that you enjoyed listening and that you feel interested about this book. I definitely recommend it, especially if you like dark magic themes and if you are not bothered by this type of main character. That's it. I will come back with another review from a book that I absolutely adore and I'm obsessed with. The name of this book is Aurora Rising from Amy Kaufman and Jay Christoph. That's my next review. And guys, I have so much love for this book. I cannot stop thinking about a squad 312. And that's the next episode, the next time we were talking. That's all. Take care. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. And see you in the next episode. Be a ma billion makers. The best characters are the billions. That's all.